0: Go.
1: This is Maria Vasquez Boyd, and you are listening to 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Good afternoon. Thanks so much for joining us on ArtSpeak Radio on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Got a great lineup of folks here. Live in the studio we have Carlos Tremont, Karen Williams, Pete Rule, Audrey Crabtree, and Michelle Matlock. Stick around, we'll be right back. great lineup of folks like I mentioned and you know we're going to start off with Carlos Chamon who is a wonderful comedian here locally in Kansas City and we're going to talk about the Fountain City's newest festival it's lots of fun we're going to hear all the details right now hello yeah. my friend it's Hi. been a while
2: yeah no thank you for having me again i'm excited to be back here
1: <laughs> i'm sorry my my colleague is a little clumsy <laughs> but but we love him hey so Let's talk about Fountain City's newest festival, because there's so much excitement with this uh, that, that you're bringing to the air. Let's talk Absolutely, about it. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: yeah. No, uh, this is our second annual Fountain City Comedy Festival. Uh, last year was a resounding success, which is why we decided Terrific. to move forward. We had over 1,100 attendees. At one point, uh, wow. across uh, over sixteen shows, so we're really excited to bring it back. As clearly, uh, Kansas City has a hunger for comedy, so yeah. we're excited to to feed into that.
1: Well, and you know, it comes out at a really great time where we're looking not only to to be entertained after this uh, this COVID and and yeah. all that, but we want we want to bring back the laughter, the humor humor in our lives after going through this really stressful time so this this is perfect timing i want to say that uh the fountain city festival is taking place october 13th through the 15th and uh, uh
2: fifth through sixth that was last year i think actually i think uh-oh. i might have sent you last year that's on me uh-oh.
1: Oh, that's not funny
2: B- but the thing is is I'm a comedian so we can just say it was a joke I sent it to you as a joke you know? I it was a bit
1: so, so <laughs> okay so we're October 5th through
2: through 7th
1: yes okay yeah um, and from what I understand, it's taking place all around the city, so it's not one central location. Correct. We location. have about
2: six different venues. Uh, all of our headliners are at the Bird Comedy Theater, uh, that's at the Crossroads. We also have yeah. a couple headliners at the Barrel of the Bottoms, uh, that's a great venue in the West Bottoms, that's also great. And then we have a couple other smaller venues, we have the Rhino KC in North Kansas City, Good. we also have Hillsiders in Strawberry Hill. Uh, we have Casual Animal Brewing, uh, which is uh, Crossroads, I think. Uh, yeah. I don't know what that part of town is actually called. I'm an immigrant. I'm allowed to not know anything <laughs> about Kansas City, all right? I love it about you.
1: Yeah, and, and to, to learn more about Carlos, he is a comedian and writer based here out of Kansas City, born and raised in Bolivia. Carlos uses his perspective as an immigrant to weave observation humor with stream of consciousness, storytelling, an unexpected turn of phrase comedy. Now Carlos, Carlos has shared the stage with the likes of Mark Noman uh, with Netflix com- uh, Comedy Central, Dinah Hashem uh, Comedy Central, Ian Ab- Abramson uh, Comedy Central, and more. Uh, just Carlos C H A M O N C-H-A-M-O-N.com is the website. You know, and, and as far as this uh, Fountain City Comedy Festival, uh, there's some pretty big headliners there too, we right? We do,
2: we have some very exciting headliners. We have uh, Irene too, uh, who is great. Uh, they just had a very great set on Don't Tell Comedy online that was just posted. We uh-huh. have uh, Aaron Branch, who is uh, actually from uh, this area. Oh uh, wow. And uh, we're excited to have Aaron come back home to uh, headline some shows. Then we have great uh, great comedians, Tom Takar, Brad Wenzel, Jasmine Ellis. We We have a pretty stacked lineup, I'm very excited.
1: You know, we were talking about not only the festival, but sort of the, the, the comedy uh, tour, the, the kind of the comedy community, I mm-hmm. should say, here in Kansas City. It's fairly strong, isn't it? It is,
2: yeah. We have a very, very great alternative uh-huh. independent scene. Uh, it's been... Uh, it's really funny because we'll have a lot of out-of-towners come by and say like, wow, I didn't expect Kansas City to be this great. And it's like, yeah. it is kind of like, all right, don't be like that. But it's also very rewarding to know that we are leaving a good impression. Yeah. And uh, like I said, last year went so uh, so great. We had, I think, 50 Uh, performers last year about 30 of them were from out of town they all loved it and of course all the locals here we try really hard to get them involved and and really show what's so wonderful about this city in terms of comedy.
1: Is the circuit competitive?
2: It is absolutely Uh I do think uh, we are kind of privileged to be in a area that's not as busy you know this isn't New York City this yeah, isn't Los sure. Angeles so uh, it does kind of give less opportunities which makes it more competitive but I think it also allows us to get to know each other a lot better because yeah. the truth is a lot of our independent scene is we're also just friends with each other's too you know I like that and uh, I think it's not easy to maintain a 30-person community that uh, you know Gets along most of the time <laughs> with each other.
1: I love that. You know, I want to read from the flyer here. Headliners, as seen on Comedy Central, HBO, Netflix, and more, 60 plus features stand up comedians from around the country as well as Kansas City's local favorites. 20 shows over three days. That's pretty awesome. Uh, you don't want to miss this. And for more information, uh, location, and, and all the information that you need is at Fountain City Comedy Fest. Dot com, Correct. And so you can find out all of that information and probably read up on who's going to appear and, and Absolutely. so Absolutely, yeah. yeah.
2: We have the full lineup uh, with all the 60 comedians up on the website. Um, and we also have on the website our Weekend Pass, which is so great because yeah. it allows people to just go to any shows. Yeah. You know, um, we do have a discount code that I was allowed to give out. It's Weekend Pass 10. And if you use that, you'll get a discount yeah. uh, on all ticket sales, uh, which is great because like I said last year, that was by far, uh, what people love the most is just the opportunity of just going to any show you want to go yeah, to, you know, yeah. not have to worry about the cost sure. and stuff besides the initial purchase, sure, right? Sure, sure. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, we have so many shows, so many people uh, from out of town, Uh, a lot of people that are up and coming that maybe they're not headlining this year, but they will be headlining uh, in come three, four years. Wow,
1: that's awesome. You know, I also want to mention that uh, there is a QR code for people who like QR codes, and you can get information that way on the website, or, you know, Google, if you can't remember all this information. But I'm happy that you've joined us today, Carlos, on uh, Art Speak Radio, because it's been a few years since, well, you know, COVID has changed everything, I I think, in terms of, of time is a, off. A, a C and A B C. Uh, <laughs> anyway, at any rate, I do want to ask you how you got your start as a comedian. When did you know you were funny? <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, I th- that's one of those stories that every comedian has. I, I was a child, and I think I learned that making people laugh was. You know, spe- I was a bad student. I was always making people <laughs> laugh in class uh, and stuff. Oh, and my God, class clown. Yeah, yeah, and once you realize that, it's like, oh, you don't, you can do that for more than just the validation of that cute girl that sits behind you in math class. I was like, all right, let's sit down. And, you know, I've always been a, a writer and such, and it's really silly, but it took me a while to realize that uh, writing and comedy are two in the same because yeah. you got to yeah. write your own comedy. So once I uh, began to really think about that. I think it was maybe six, seven years ago where I started to actually write jokes for the function of being Mm. stand up Mm -hmm. jokes. Mm -hmm. And from there on out I just kinda fell in love with it. You know, I think to me writing comedy is kinda like uh, it's a puzzle, you know yeah. because you have the your 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 setup, and obviously you think it's funny, but you know the amount of times <laughs> I've gotten on stage and done a new joke to crickets and being like, all right, that was you know, I was entirely off base on scratch that. <laughs> yep uh, so that but like I said, it's kind of like a puzzle. And yeah. I think finding yeah. the right way to find what I think is funny and make other people view it that way too and laugh as well is one of the most rewarding uh, you know puzzle completions that I can achieve, I think.
1: With your work, with your comedy, uh, what do you find people are more responsive to? Is it family situations, uh, just day-to-day? What are things that that people, you can generally count on a laugh? when I talk about this?
2: You know, uh, a bunch of stuff that I cannot say on air right now. (laughs) But uh, I do think what's really interesting about the comedy (laughs) that I've started to lean into is uh, I think people like the unexpected punchlines. And that's something that I've been uh-huh. trying to work on in terms of how I write jokes is ma- just make sure that you don't see the punchline coming, mm-hmm. you know, because, mm-hmm. uh, again, that's kind of the puzzle element because I'm yeah. driving them up a path that's going to yeah. take a sudden left turn. But how do you keep that sudden left turn as unexpected as possible? You know, you got to think of your delivery, your writing and all that stuff. And I love that. I think that's so, so interesting. And and I
1: think that's the mark of good writing, too, that you take that unexpected turn
2: well you said it not me but uh (laughs) i do it it is very difficult to write consistently well i think for sure um but i i I do think that's one of the things about comedy is uh the in many because no one knows what is funny right you think you do subjectively but in the end i think what what is funny is just the alleviation of Mm -hmm. some sort of stress Right. Yeah. And that's the that's the science is how do you make that stress be a good kind of stress that you end up breaking uh, in a much more enjoyable manner as well.
1: And I think that for uh, what what I've learned about comedians, uh, whether through interviews or uh, watching uh, biographies and that sort of thing, that the humor is used to diffuse anger used to diffuse a situation that is toxic or or danger or or that sort of thing and and i know in those times when i'm uncomfortable i get real funny Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know yep uh i mean it just it just really a helps as a tool to sort of you know, just kind of pull that apart Absolutely. and let's just it, it, laugh. it is kind yeah. of a double
2: edged sword, you know. I always yeah. tell people that I date that, you know, one of one of my pros is that I can turn anything to a joke. But yeah. one of my cons is that I can turn anything into a yeah. joke. And uh, recognizing when it's time to be on and yeah. when it's yeah. time to, you know, be a human being has yeah. sort of been something I've had to learn yeah. to work. At. Yeah, just know.
1: like when I was told I was going to have a heart transplant, I said, well, I'll switch to light cigarettes, you know. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like my cardiologist <laughs> was, my was like, yeah, that's not going to work. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, you know, you have to do that to, to really, you know, inject some humor into something that is so... So painful.
2: Absolutely. And and that's the artistry in it. You know, a lot of the jokes that I first wrote when I first started were about my father who passed away. Mm, And mm, I remember mm. at the time thinking, like, not every joke landed. And then I realized that a part of that, too, was that, like, this is something that took me a long time to learn to laugh at. And it is kind of a big ask to expect the audience to find it as funny as I did within five seconds of finding out, like, oh, wait, dead father. You know what I'm saying?
1: But, uh, you know, you're touching on something that that is really important to to note, and maybe with our next guest, she may want to address this too, but I think there's comedy, uh, there's cultural comedy.
2: Oh, absolutely. In the Latino
1: community? Yes. Wow, you know. It, it's definitely present. Absolutely. Right? You
2: know, my mom is from Argentina, and so uh. I grew up uh, listening to a lot of Argentinian comedians. And I've always said, as soon as I moved to America, like culturally speaking, I think uh, Argentinian culture is hilarious. I think American black culture is hilarious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. these very stylized, like you said, cultural humors that I yeah. think are are so beautiful because... It's perspectives that you wouldn't take yourself, you know? And I think that's why I also, for the longest time in comedy, I leaned away from doing Hispanic material because I felt like a hack. I was like, oh, I'm just doing the same thing. But then I realized that is my identity. That is my history and my heritage, and I can't change it. So why not? Like you said, let's do the jokes. Yeah, Yeah, I am going to
1: throw my chancla at you right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you just tuned in. Oh, my reflexes
2: (laughs) are good. Don't worry. You're not going to get me.
1: (laughs) If you just tuned in, I'm talking with uh, Carlos. Jovan, and we're talking about comedy in the Fountain City Comedy Festival. We kind of got away from that. But the the other thing I I want to just mention, uh, one of my favorite uh, programs on one of the networks, uh, Reservation Dogs, because talking about cultural comedy, you know, you may not... It's quick and you may not get every reference, but boy, it is just it's like I've been missing this in my,
2: you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I. I I'll work I'll, I'll do shows and stuff but then when I'll do a show with other Hispanic comedians there is mm. this sort of like oh yeah I yeah what this is this is great <laughs> like we're we're one and the same and that's not to say that different cultures obviously that's great that sure, we need to have sure. that diversity and inclusion yeah, but yeah uh, when you're a member of a community I think going back to that community is so rewarding in terms of like oh right this is hilarious know. You yeah know? And maybe yeah. my other friends don't get it but it's the cultural context.
1: You know, we're so happy that you've joined us today, and, and you're welcome back anytime. Uh, share with us, if you would, social media platforms that we can find you or the Fountain City Comedy Festival at.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Fountain City Comedy Fest is our handle on all social media. That should be across uh, every platform that exists, except for the new ones like Blue Sky and Mastodon and stuff. Uh, MySpace. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> High five, absolutely, yeah. Uh, <laughs> (laughs) Uh, you you can download our comedy (laughs) records on LimeWire too no (laughs) but uh, yeah it's Fountain City Comedy Fest across all handles and you can find me at Just Carlos Chimón the just is part of it I found that that was a terrible design idea on my behalf because no one ever gets it but it is Just Carlos Chimón uh, across all social media as well
1: are you on Instagram I am yes. I think that's how you contacted me th- I think this time so. around yeah, So yeah, yeah. yeah we want to mention that you know this is going to be great October 5th through the 7th uh, and that's just this weekend
2: absolutely yeah yep. so uh,
1: you can find out more inf- more information Fountain City comedy fest.com uh, tickets pricing location uh, the the uh, comedians who are going to appear uh, yeah, QR and, and code if you're and tuning,
2: all that. T- tuning in, like I said, there's a discount code. We yeah. can pass ten. Feel free to use that. Uh, Terrific, and it should be uh, a nice little discount for you guys.
1: Is there anything that we left out that I that we want to? Mention now? Well,
2: I mean, I don't think so. I mean, I okay. could I could go one by one with all the shows, but I think that might just be boring for the listeners. Well,
1: if you want, you can just if you want to list another one that that you are participating or, or sure. producing, yeah. So,
2: uh, which is thank you actually for bringing that up yeah. because part of uh, part of what we wanted to do with this comedy festival was highlight a lot of like I said the independent scene in Kansas City, yeah. which meant asking a lot of local show producers to do their shows uh, with us this festival. So. Almost every show that you will go to, except for our headliners, is already a monthly show that happens in Kansas City at the moment. You know, uh, there's this wonderful show that happens at the Barrel of the Bottoms called Body Language. It's a mix of drag (laughs) and burlesque and comedy. And uh, I don't know why I'm even plugging it, because they sold out all shows up until December. But keep your eyes out on that, because once we open up more on uh, starting in January, it's going to be great. I also run... A series of uh, pop-up uh, secret comedy shows called Don't Tell Comedy. I'm in charge of the Kansas City chapter. Uh, it's a national, uh, national-wide series of shows, so I'm very, very uh, proud to be the Kansas City Connect for that. Uh, and that's also, we're, we're having three Don't Tells uh, this, uh, this festival, and uh, we do at least one Don't Tell once a week. Um, and like I said, every other show that you'll see on the festival is a recurring monthly show, so you know, wow, obviously good. come down to this festival if you please. Uh, but uh, there's so much in this city to, to uh, explore <laughs> and enjoy. And I, you know, I always say everything that you'll see in this festival is something that is homegrown here in Kansas City. And uh, I think it's important to support each other, you know, uh, especially as comedians, but also as, a, as Kansas City as a community.
1: We're funny here in Kansas City.
2: We are. We are. And uh, I'm glad no we're joke. starting to be <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we're starting to be recognized for it.
1: Very good. Thank you so much
2: for joining thank us today. Thank you so much, Maria. Thank and you so much for having me.
1: Come back, you know, um, steal the airwaves and we'll just do a little bit with yeah. with your Yeah, comedians. we should have
2: to wait once a year for this, right?
1: I know. All right. I get the hint. <laughs> thank you, my yeah, friend. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Hey, we're going to be right back with Art Speak Radio after this.
3: We used to call them sailors. Now they're seafarers who work the ships that transport goods around the world. From the days of mutinies and striking the sails to today, they face brutal working conditions. This week on the Heartland Labor Forum, we'll talk with Samantha Levins, an inspector for the International Transport Workers Federation, about how it protects the human rights of maritime workers throughout our global supply chain. Thursday
1: at 6 p.m., rebroadcast Friday at 5 a.m.
4: Hi, this is Jackie Bean at KKFI. Our phone drive will be starting soon and we need volunteers for our phone bank. You can participate remotely or come by the station. All phone bank volunteers must be comfortable talking to donors on the phone and entering pledges on the computer. In addition, remote phone bank volunteers will need a reliable internet connection and a computer with a microphone and speakers. Sign up for a shift today at kkfi.org slash phone bank or contact our volunteer coordinator at 816-994-7864 for more
1: information. And we're back, this is HeartSpeak Radio, I'm Maria Vasquez Boyd on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Thanks so much for joining us. Hello, Rose, Tony, Teresa, Bruce, all those uh, regular folks that tune in or listening to us online, kkfi.org. Up next, we have uh, Audrey C- Crabtree with the Fringe Festival, the director of the Fringe Festival. And along with Audrey, Michelle Matlock, we're going to talk about uh, Michelle's work as a playwright performer with the Casey Fringe Festival. Got a show coming up October 6th through the 15th. Fringe presents uh, the Mammy Project at the Westport Bowery, 817 Westport Road, and it was created and performed by Michelle. Matlock thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. You bet. You bet. So this is really intriguing. Tell us about the Mammy Project this performance. Sure,
5: sure. The Mammy Project is an exploration into the icon stereotype and myth of Mammy in America and at its core it's telling the story of Nancy Green who was the first woman to be hired to play the part of Aunt Jemima for the pancake mix Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, and debuted at the 1893 World's Fair in Chicago. Wow. So I tell her story Uh and I also explore advertising and from, you know, where this was born out of. This whole stereotype was born out of slavery, out of minstrelsy. So Mm. I explore all those themes. You're digging up the dirt. I'm digging up the dirt. (laughs) I'm digging
1: up the story. I love it. I love it. The history. Yeah. So uh, this Aunt Jemima, the uh, bandanaed superstar of minstrel shows, Hollywood epics, and The Breakfast Nook is reimagined from her dark history in the antebellum South, right? That's right. That's gonna you know, be Gone with the Wind. Yeah, yeah, is probably the most
5: famous depiction of Mammy. Hattie McDaniel's played yeah, her in yeah. that film. Yeah, uh, but there were a lot of silver screen Mammys, imitations of life, you know, and so on and so on. And I make fun a little bit of that. I have fun with that. That those are the fun parts of the show, <laughs> and the yeah. funny parts.
1: Yeah, I love that because as I read on, I want to say that uh, she's freed from the humili- humiliating role for talented black actresses and set loose from her pancake box prison on an unsuspecting audience. This is going to be fabulous. I can tell. It's I mean, fabulous. just when I read it, it's like, I'm I'm filled with so much intrigue and questions. And, uh, you know, it's really got to be an interesting, wonderful uh, play.
5: Yeah, yeah, it's
1: a great journey. A great journey, indeed. Yes. And Audrey Crabtree is next to Michelle here. Um, this is presented by Fringe Festival right?
3: Absolutely so it's a little bit different our festival is uncurated anyone can attend however this project um, uh, this is a highly curated I mean Michelle uh, I've known her work for a really long time I'm always looking um, for opportunities to bring someone inspiring to Kansas City Mm. so Mm -hmm. so this was part of um, a NEA grant that we received but it Came out of our Amplified Voices project. So, you know, people think of Casey Fringe only as having the festival, but we are trying to expand and and do things year round. And so we have the opportunity to curate shows and um, bring back shows that uh, we we think are great. So we're thrilled to have Michelle here because, you know, she is bringing these questions, this conversation, and we need this in Kansas City. We well, do.
1: and as, uh, as I read on, your intent is to not only educate and entertain, but really to uh, unite people uh, with tough tough questions surrounding race in America. That's right. Yeah. After every
5: show, there is a, a discussion that happens for those that mm-hmm. want to stay yeah. and have the discussion. And um, it really uh, allows people to talk about some of these things. Um, whether it be stereotypes, racial injustice, whatever yeah, it is, whatever yeah. comes up for the audience. But yeah. the discussion and talking out loud and really just expressing, for me, is like, expressing this truth, right? Yeah. The truth yeah. of how we feel yeah. is really how we how we heal, how we heal from a lot of this horif- horrific historical things that happened yeah. here. So, yeah. Um, so the discussion is really, it goes with every show. I don't do, yeah. I don't do a show without it now. So yeah. it's become, for me, the, one of my favorite parts, almost more than performing wow, it, is wow. getting to talk to everyone afterwards yeah. and hearing yeah. what everyone has to say and how they feel and how they perceive everything and uh, how the show affected them. So it's really great. I love
1: So is that the intent that, that you want to have this discussion and really open up to, to how people feel and think and how they respond to this work?
5: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, one of the reasons I read uh, wrote the show is because there just seemed to be a wide gap about how some people felt about this stereotype. Some, it was yeah. oppressive. For yeah. some, it was a loving yeah. thing. And I yeah. thought, how can we be so far apart? Are we mm-hmm, not talking mm-hmm, to each other about mm-hmm. this, you know? Um, you know, and it stemmed from really... Early in my career, being called to audition for an Aunt Jemima pancake mix commercial, and I thought, "How is it that this is so offensive to me, but but for them, it's just like just you know?" And so at that yeah. point, I was like, "You know what? I I'm going to write something, and hopefully, I can get it out there, and and a conversation can start so that people understand that this is offensive. Yeah, why is it still yeah. here? It's offensive for some of the population." Mm-hmm. And I understand now, after the research, why it's both uh, loving and offensive. (laughs) And
1: you have to know that history in order to understand. I think you've hit it right there. You have to know the history. Right. You have to know the history. And in a lot of situations, current situations, we don't know. That's right. You know, or, yeah, I won't go into that. Yeah. You know. (laughs) It's deep. Yeah. So is this a – are there other – uh, roles in this? Uh, yeah, that, I play about, roles. I think it's uh-huh. about 17 roles in
5: there. Wow. So while Nancy Green was debuting as uh-huh. Aunt Jemima at the 1893 uh-huh. World's Fair, Frederick Douglass, Halle Q. Brown, Ida B. Wells, all black activists of the time, mm-hmm. were kind of protesting this fair because they weren't actually including African-Americans in the fair. So I just show um, some real speeches yeah. that they yeah. gave during that same time period. And you get to see Nancy Green as Aunt Jemima at the same time yeah. as Frederick Douglass is giving this speech, it's just you get wow. to see how like complex this issue is. Um, like I said, I play with the silver screen um, mammy characters. Um, I play with Nancy Green as a young girl and as an old woman. Um, yeah there's there's several, you know. Smaller characters yeah. that happen yeah. and flow and comic that are comic characters. It's really fun, even though it's a deep subject. Yeah, and it, you know, yeah, the show is entertaining. It's really fun. It's educational, and um, yeah, I just I don't want people to feel like oh my god, this history is so yeah. deep, it's so hard. But I really do it in an entertaining way. I'm a professional.
1: Yeah, and you're. <laughs> <laughs> I, love that. I love that, and it's infused with with some humor. That's too. right, absolutely. So, you know, is it taxing for you not only the, the the content, but then playing these other roles too, all all together? Right. Um. Is it taxing? No. I mean, I think that uh, that uh, f- for me,
5: it's kind of that's what a solo show is, like yeah, that yeah. ability. And when I wrote this, I was a younger a- actress. You know, I wrote this 20 years ago. A lot of people say that it was before it's time. Well, I'm
1: glad it came to fruition because it's really an important, you know, aspect of of what we want to have a discussion about. Yeah.
5: And so at that time, I wanted to play different characters. I wanted to play all different characters. I mean, Mm -hmm. I play Scarlett O'Hara in this show, right? Like Frederick Douglass. Yeah, You know, and Nancy Green, and so, and then myself, I tell my own story also in this, the story of the real, how how this stereotype, myth, icon can affect our real lives, like my real story around it, so that's peppered in there also.
1: Michelle, I love that, I love that. Now this is going to, uh, Fringe presents the Mammy Project at the Westport Bowery at 817 Westport, and this runs October 6th, 7th, 13th and 14th at 8 p.m. And then on October 8th and 15th at 2 p.m. And for more information, caseyfringe.org, right? Yeah. Yeah.
3: You know, I wanted to say two things. We, ha- we also have two other encore performances by okay. Brother John and also uh, Karen Griffin. So uh, Karen's doing J to the A to the double Z. And Brother John is doing It's Gonna Be a Lovely Day, which is his personal story mixed in with the, mm, his, mm, the music mm-hmm. of Bill Withers.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, yeah. he's great.
3: But I, I wanted to just jump in and say something about Michelle, too, because she's like, I'm a professional. So Michelle yeah. created this show and and toured it around and did all kinds of things. And she and I come from a, a, a similar, like, we kind of started out as actors and then somehow got tricked into circus (laughs) (laughs) and so you know i mean sort of i mean i just want you to mention your your time with uh cirque and your time in creating that
5: yeah so i I created this show like i said 20 years ago and i toured it around and and cirque du soleil casting walked into one of those shows and and plucked me out to create a role for them uh, um many years ago the show was called ovo and we just i toured that right after like doing this show and getting this show started they they snatched me so I didn't, didn't get to do it as much which I'm really glad that it's back now but yeah, yeah I do I yeah. do with Cirque du Soleil for about 10 years and created a role for them called Ladybug it was fun uh clown role and it, it was all their bug show and so um yeah that that was part of that history and I I got to sort of live you'll you'll find out my my story if you if you're able to see this show And I got to live out these fantasies that I was talking about in this show through this Cirque du Soleil character that was totally not stereotypical
1: (laughs) at all (laughs) and clown and, um, yeah. Michelle, I either want to read the book (laughs) (laughs) about you or the biopic. Yeah. I mean, this is, yeah, this is, who knew? Yeah. You know, what a great experience and how it feeds all into everything that you've done to get you here. That's right. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I did not know. Yeah. <laughs> and well, and, and, but, but where were your beginnings in theater? Where were your beginnings in, on, on stage? Sure, sure. I grew up in Tacoma, Washington, uh-huh.
5: about 30 miles south of Seattle. Um, I grew up there doing theater. My mom always mm, put me into mm. theater class, and then in high school I did I did alt theater then I went to college there in Washington State. I studied theater and then I got accepted to a conservatory over in New York and that pulled me over there. It was a it was a uh, classical training conservatory. But yeah, I feel like since I was I was in Goldilocks and well I should say Nappy Locks and the Gold and the Three Bears. <laughs> Goldilocks and the Three Bears when I, I was it. like 5 years old and from then it. on I was like in love with with being on the stage. So, um so it's been in, yeah. in, my, in, in my blood the like, whole time, and I'm excited to bring this work that I, that, that I created um, mm-hmm. back to life. Yeah. You know? yeah. It means so much more now than it even did 20 years ago to me. Very personally. good. The
1: timing. It's, it's all about yeah. timing. You know, and I want to mention something that we talked about in the green room, and that was partnering with uh, teens for, for some of this uh, programming.
3: Well, Michelle, of course, is not only a performer and a writer, but she's also an instructor. So uh, she has helped to develop a course that some students will be taking after seeing the show in their own private space with local teaching artists. Michelle's also doing and this is like the comedy underground She's doing a master workshop in clowning next Wednesday. So if anyone's wow. interested to and find out any secret information, we do have a couple slots <laughs> left. Secret information. Secret I information. You I've can you them. can <laughs> contact me on caseyfringe.org to find out the deets. I love that.
1: You know, um, I think it, it takes a certain uh, cur- amount of courage and bravado to to say this is what i want to do and i love that that your your work is going to be seen on stage i'm glad that you're reaching out to a whole new generation of future writers playwrights actors and and all that uh sending the elevator down but that's really important you do it make it up
5: if it's not happening for you do it yourself Yeah. yeah write your story write whatever's on your mind and do it make it happen
1: I love that. Uh, Social media platforms that we can find not only the Fringe, uh, but also Michelle.
5: Sure. Uh, At the Mammy Project, almost everywhere, or at Michelle in Matlock, almost everywhere.
3: Yeah, kcfringe.org everywhere. So kcfringe on FaceSpace and Instapound.
1: And again, this is uh, a part of the Amplified Voices program, and so can we find more information about that on your website as well? Okay, very good, very good, much. Success, break a leg, I should say, right? Yes, that's good, thank you, thank you. I have a little bit of theater, but I was always in the orchestra playing my rickety violin. But you know, we're so (laughs) happy that you've joined us today. And and thank you so much for reaching out because I I think this is going to be just a phenomenal, you know, play and and education, fun and in discussion. Yeah, we need this. Thank you. Thank you you so much, Maria. You bet. Hey, we're gonna be right back with ArtSpeak Radio. Oh. After this Voices of Kansas City is a community conversation produced by the Kansas City Star Fridays at noon tune in to 90.1 FM to hear
5: Kansas City black business owners share their stories of struggle commitment success and joy. A new Kansas City Star project created in collaboration with Kansas City Gift, a nonprofit that supports growing black owned businesses, and KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Join us at noon on Fridays this fall for Voices of Kansas City.
2: Beginning Friday, September 22nd, right here on KKFI. The Parkville Living Center's Arts and Crafts Fair will be October 7th, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the Parkville Presbyterian Church, 819 Main in Parkville, Missouri. Artists will include those who work with a variety of media. Browse the displays and, perhaps, treat yourself to a sandwich while doing so. For more information, go to parkvillelivingcenter.org artists. This message is a public service of KKFI.
1: Hey, I'm back. Maria Vasquez-Boyd on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. We've got a great uh, lineup of guests, as, as we do every week. And I want to introduce you now to Karen Williams and Pete Ruhl. We're going to talk about local 5529, seven artists, various mediums featuring Pete Ruhl, Martha Dye Walker, Jim Goober, uh, Terry Juarez, Kay Williams, Ed Pastorini, and James K. Walker. And that's taken place this weekend right yes terrific welcome my friends thank and you thanks so much for joining us you know we want to say that um, the opening party for this uh, work is going to be well we've got a couple of shows right that's right uh, one is here's what's missing art and stories about tangible and intangible things that went missing and that features Shirley Harriman Michelle Casillas Joe Bucell, Lisa Wild-Healy, Melissa Wolf, Karen Zubner, Gary Hodson, Karen Williams, Joe Kyle Morgan, and Gail Williams. And this gallery is located at 5529 Troost, gallery, uh, Troost Avenue in Kansas City, Missouri. So that's a, that's just a, a wonderful lineup of, of art, right, that we're going to see this weekend.
4: Yeah, there's two shows um, and we've combined them. So uh-huh. Uh, One show is visual art and stories to go with it, and that's about um, things that went missing. Uh, And in that, there's uh, four pieces that are about places. So uh, lost places uh, Mm -hmm. is what the artists are addressing. And then the local 5529 is really a group of friends who, are kind of like a union sure, uh, sure, of I artists. Like and uh, it's recent work by those artists. And we've got all mediums, uh, painting, sculpture, photography, and mixed media.
1: And Pete, you're, you're going to have work there. Let's talk about your work. Yes.
0: Um, yeah. Well, primarily I paint portraits and still lives uh-huh. and have for years. I uh, started doing sculptures, you know, Back in the mid 80s. Yeah. So, and if you look at one side by side, a painting and a sculpture, you probably wouldn't connect the two. Yeah. But yeah. they are highly connected because I did them.
1: <laughs> I hear
0: you. And the I sculptures are about painting and they're wow. about brushes and they're just about everyday items. They're recognizable items that mm-hmm. are put together. Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, I, like I, quite, that. I enjoy them. I like that. Now, is it is the the work uh, of all the artists? Is it is there a particular theme, or a, this is just you know this is the best of what I do presented? Is there a theme in the fifty five local fifty five twenty nine?
4: No theme, okay. but it's okay. all recent work. Yeah. yeah. So I think, for example, with Pete's work, he does still lives and portraits. So these are recent works. Of, okay. And uh, his sculptures are humorous, uh, whereas I th- there's, there's a kind of joke in each one of them, so they're fun to look at. And then, for example, Terry Juarez, she's been making uh, small portraits, partly painted and, and with this metal embossed element um, that are really beautiful,
1: yeah. I have an image of her work right in front of me, the Eastern Bluebird, and it's six by seven. It's, so it's fairly small, but it's beautifully. It's small, but power-packed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of detail in it, not mm-hmm. only just the metal itself, but, you know, I, I can actually kind of see the, the paint strokes, you know, within this bird. Um, you know, and I, as, as I mentioned in the green room earlier that uh, I've known Terry's work, earlier work, uh, where she worked with a lot of pastels and her composition, her sense of composition and color, incredible and inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you'll be. Able We've to see known her Terry work. for
0: many, many years, yeah. and her friend David.
1: Yeah,
4: and yeah. there's also I sh- I want to jump in and say that she's making some larger works. Okay. Um, okay. So we're showing uh, six of her works, and then there's others that you know people can see if they'd like to.
1: Yeah, you know, and and I want to mention that the opening party for that is October sixth, which is Friday, mm-hmm. first Friday, uh, from nine from five to nine p.m., and then the gallery hour- hours are Friday through Sunday, eleven to two p.m., and uh, that's uh, again uh, October sixth to the twenty eighth is this show is going to be up. F- at that length of time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm going to get back to your work Pete. What sort of paint do you use? Is it watercolor or acrylic? It's oil. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: I went to the Art Institute and studied with Wilbur Newald and you know this is 45 years ago. Yeah. He's exactly yeah. the person I wanted to study with. Yeah. You know he painted yeah. from life. Mm-hmm. Um, still lives, small still right. lives. I don't, the things that I paint aren't things that Wilbur would have painted, but uh, there is a sort of a resemblance Mm -hmm. between he and I, I suppose. Sure. Observation. I don't
4: think you'd notice it though. (laughs) His work is unique. Yeah. Because I'm familiar with Wilbur too. Since I went to the art institute.
1: Well, what what is the subject matter then? So different. Well.
0: (laughs) You know, it's. (laughs) <laughs> it's the, that might be a relationship between my paintings and sculptures because in sculptures I use found objects.
1: Oh, yeah. Oftentimes, yeah, yeah.
0: wooden blocks, things that might resemble something, but uh, that's certainly not the idea. Interesting. And I paint squares, circles, triangles, uh, flat colors, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, shiny mm-hmm, colors.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I've wow. been painting a lot of. Um, pewter lately because it's just such a soft beautiful uh oh i don't know what the word is yeah uh, gosh, well, luster. yeah, have such a yeah. Nice luster.
1: and there's so much tonality in in pewter that you know you just think oh it's just kind of metalish you mm-hmm. know silverish but you know once you start dissecting you know the color well you it's know just, the yes, palette it's
0: is just unique. very uh very soft yeah inviting yeah. yeah i
1: guess yeah in Pete, do you have a website? Pete and Karen, do you have a website or or no. social media platform? I don't either. Well, yeah. I have. I'm a luddite. I, <have, laughs> I have
4: uh, Facebook. Yeah. And uh, I welcome uh, other artists, musicians, because uh, the gallery is also an art space. Yeah. To contact me if they're interested in doing something at the space. For example, this year we had uh, the Kansas City. Uh, Society of Contemporary Photo do three shows in the space Um, and we're going to have a holiday sale of arts and crafts and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and then in the spring I'm going to continue that on weekends so terrific the space is available yeah and I welcome artists to contact me through email 5529troost at gmail.com
1: beautiful you know again i want to mention that this opening party takes place october 6th from 5 to 9 p.m at 55 5529 troost gallery and that's for the uh, opening party for local 5529 featuring pete rule martha Dye walker jim guber terry Juarez, kay williams Ed Pastorini and James K. Walker so that takes place uh, this weekend and then as as you mentioned uh, the other show is Here's What's Missing, Art and Stories About Tangible and Intangible Things That Went Missing. Um, I understand uh, Karen is the exhibit curator uh, and Kindness Inc. Artistic director so this exhibit is based on an art lesson that she taught to New York City high school students called missing objects. So using memory, students wrote about an object which was lost, stolen, discarded, something they missed. They drew the scene where they lost, they last saw the object in black and white and drew the lost object in color and attached it to the scene, which I think is just a, a terrific project. I just love that. You know, I do have to ask, drawing it and, and creating it uh, from uh, from memory, did, did you find that many of your students at the time were able to kind of find it, rediscover it? Oh, that's where it was. I mean, sometimes when you, uh, when you put it out there in the universe, sometimes you're able to find those objects. Any of that happened? There were a couple instances where <laughs> actually they did
4: find the object. Cool. Um, and one of the pieces in this show is about an object that was lost by a grandparent and then eventually found again by the granddaughter. Yeah. So it is a way to reclaim something. Yeah. And uh, the high school students really did well with it and and enjoyed it.
1: And I think, you know, when when you when you look at the work again i'm looking at uh, shirley harriman's mom's blue kitchen which is a uh, cyanotype on uh, coffee tea towels hung on a metal uh, towel rod they tell stories they construct uh, um, she constructs images preferring discovery and observation with minimal manipulation in, in her work um, you know it just I i think not only is her intent what she brings to, our, to the viewer, but the viewer also can see it with a different take looking at, at the work, right?
4: Yes, and I think that what happens with this particular project, that the viewer looks at the artwork first mm-hmm. and has all kinds of associations. And then when they find out the story, they have a new perspective. So in Shirley's work, it's really interesting, she and her sister went down to Versailles, uh, where they grew up, mm. and they wanted mm. to see the, the family home where they grew up, and their parents have passed. So they went down there, and it was a vacant lot. Nothing wow. left. Wow. And she took a lot of photographs, but what they, f- they found a few pieces of tile on the ground from her mom's blue kitchen. So that was the inspiration for
1: this piece. Wow, I love that. You know, I I think it's not just the the work itself, but again, the stories, that's pretty powerful. You know, um, I've I've got this press release that you sent me, and I'm looking at Michelle Casillas' uh, work. Uh, She was a performing artist with her band, Ursa Minor, a songwriter, vocalist, musician. She's a music instructor and photographer too. So we see her work as, as photographs. Yeah, there's uh-huh.
4: there's photographs, and then she also uh, has a song that accompanies one of the photos, so you can listen to the song. Oh,
1: good. Oh, good. And again, uh, you know, our, our good friend Joe Bussell, uh, Hanging Frog <laughs> installation, you know, he, that, I don't think that man ever stops creating, and that's a good thing for us, right?
4: Well, and his story is, it's a really profound story yeah. because he worked in the AIDS hospice, right. and so these pieces are connected to the to the people who passed mm. when he was working there, and the feelings that he had. Um, so I think I think it's an important piece.
1: Yeah. Well, and and you have um, such a diverse group of of work by all these artists. Lisa Wild Healy. Um, she's got a handmade book with photographs and text. Uh, also. You know, there's just some really wonderful things in here. Melissa Wolf, an installation with ceramic, artificial grass, uh, inkjet photos. Uh, Karen Zugner, um, who uh, displays acrylic on canvas, crayon pencil, some some work there, a series of nine paintings. And let's see, I've got Gary Hodson, uh, again prints, and then of course your work, Karen, uh, mixed media, and it's uh, Knox Jeff Cat. Knocks cup, cups off shelf. True to life? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I have a yeah, cat, like, Jeff, and yeah. he, he
4: knocks the coffee cups off the shelf. And uh, I like to drink coffee, so. But that's sort of my missing object
1: uh, piece. Well, it's really fun, and it? it's twelve by eighteen mixed media. So, is it? Are we looking at painting and what else? Uh,
4: well, there's realistic painting uh-huh. in it, similar to what Pete might do, uh-huh. only more simplified, I would say. Uh-huh. And then I make cutouts out of wood. So there's, it.
1: it's more three dimensional. Uh-huh. And and then the cat is drawn almost to me from, from what I can see in my- Well, that's a found object. Well, I love it because it, it just adds such whimsy to to the piece And it reminds me of something out of a, a Disney movie or, or something, but it's just, you know, this cat is just like, mm, you know, yeah. how cats are. <laughs> enjoying. Right? Yeah. yeah, enjoying. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, so like I said, we have these two shows that are uh, taking place. So with opening reception October 6th, 5 to 9 p.m. On the two exhibits are at 5529 Truce Gallery. After these shows are over uh, at the end of October, what do you have coming Coming well we're right going to have
4: that. the holiday sale again um, and again Alan Winkler's going to be in oh, good. it good. but we're there's more people and there's going to be more types of things yeah. um, uh, handcrafted scarves hats, uh, some furniture some flea items, uh, a bunch of art works, paintings, sculptures,
1: toys so, it'll be fun. Yeah, very good. Pete, did you want to add anything to this? Or will you be also in the holiday show? Uh, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> might have a few things in that's there. Fine, it, that's fine. That's uh, fine. Any upcoming exhibitions or, or shows, no, announcements that no, you...
0: this is it for me for a little while. Yeah,
1: just kind of sit back and... It, <laughs> yeah. Well, it
4: takes artists a long time to make something. Yeah. That's, I spent a lot
0: of time on these.
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Most of the most of the artists and all of
0: the artists. I can't do anything when I'm thinking.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and you've got a great community of artists. You know uh, that I think I I've seen that uh, like at the Lops Livestock Exchange Building in the West Bottoms and and different you know uh, surrounding communities. You need that that uh, community of artists together. It helps. Yeah, you know. To uh, you know, run ideas we can behind. We each other. I like that too. Yeah, just whack them in the knees, and you're you're the next guy up in the exhibition. But uh, yeah, I, I think it really matters because uh, all of us coming from the art institute, once you've graduated and you're out there, it's like you're kind of isolated versus you know um, yeah, being on campus. Yeah, visual yeah. art
4: a solitary yeah. act. So very
1: good. Well, I want to thank you both so much for joining us today. we are really enjoyed talking thanks with you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Um, terrific, terrific to see the work and, and to meet you both. And uh, thanks nice so to meet much. You. you. bet. Hey, and we're going to be right back uh, next week. Uh, I want to say thank you to Carlos Jumon, Karen Williams, Pete Rue, um, Audrey Crabtree, and Michelle Matlock. Next week we're into... Uh, Another week of October, we're going to have Stephanie Knapp-Fox, Sarah Schmidler, and Jenny Mendez, who are going to join us. We're going to talk about um, a layered presence, a layered presence, which is uh, Latin American artist, Latino ex-artist at the Nelson for a group exhibition, and I have to be transparent and say that I am a part of that, but uh, we're going to talk to Stephanie Knapp-Fox and sarah schmiedler and also we're going to talk about day of the dead not only for maddie Rhodes but for the nelson atkins museum too stay tuned next for jeff Harshberger, he's got the best in jazz i swear that man's got a great collection of jazz uh one to three three to six dubs groove six to seven ebony's bones so don't go anywhere stick around and i want to mention that there is a podcast of the show that is posted on itunes and kkfi.org a little bit later on today so thank you so much for joining us today and i'm going to say it honey i'm coming home thanks for listening This is Jeff Harshbarger, and you are listening to 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community